Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we're joined by the Mary Welp. Good afternoon to you, Mary. Good morning to you, I should say, even. Hello. Uh, yes, still morning here in the States. Yeah, so where are you calling in from today, Mary? Louisville, Kentucky. Wonderful, wonderful. So to give our listeners a bit of background, so Mary Welp is a cranial sacral and hypnotherapist living in Louisiana, Kentucky with her husband, Jim. She has been in private practice doing bodywork and hypnosis for 20 years. She has worked with a nonprofit involving uh, returning soldiers from Iraq and Afghanistan, as well as serving on the board of LinkUp, offering assistance to those who have dealt with clergy abuse and related trauma. She's proud to tell you of her two children, Ben and Laura Rose, as well as her granddaughters, Jane and Mitty. She enjoys hiking, travel and yoga. Mary also teaches, travels teaching Rise Hypnotic Meditation throughout the country. So welcome to the show, Mary. This is absolutely wonderful to have you on. So tell us first of all, who are who is Mary? Wow, that's a big question. <laughs> Start with uh, the small ones. <laughs> I know. How much time have you got? Um, uh, Mary is a grandmother who is finding a new start in life. Um, I've done a lot of different things in my life, had a lot of different careers and I, at 62, am starting another one and it's very exciting. And, um, I guess I've learned, uh, to keep moving through these jobs by going with the flow. I think there were times in my life where I really pushed what I wanted and it didn't work, you know, just made me upset and depressed and frustrated. So I've really learned in the last probably 25 or 30 years, particularly to just kind of see what life brings me and work with that. So, um, are you where you're supposed to be then? Are you on the right track? I, you... I definitely feel like I am where I'm supposed to be. And I ask that question almost daily. You know, I'm really, that's important to me. I, I feel like I am here to work on myself and I feel like I'm here to offer things to others, to help others. I've been in the therapy business for over 20 years and it is who I am. So I've kind of going from student to teacher. I feel like I've done this work long enough and my clients have taught me enough that now I can turn around and teach what I've learned, how to go inward and how to address something that no longer suits us, a habit, a fear, an imprint, and to shift it. And so that's what I'm doing now is traveling and doing as much online as I can um, to deliver this tool to people because we need tools. Um, we can't always get to our helpers with the pandemic. We're spending a lot more time alone. And um, anxiety and depression are on the rise. So this is a tool to go inward and to shift what you need to shift. Just define, because I mean, some people may be used to be going inward and things like that. Well, define what that means to you or, or the process, if you like. 
Um, the process is really just focusing attention inward. You know, what, what do I want? What am I feeling? What are my needs? I think the, our culture, especially in the States, our culture tells us how we're supposed to look, how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to be. And it's not always appropriate. It's not always appropriate for everybody. You know, if I tried to live Kim Kardashian's life, you know, that would not be true. That would not be true to who I am. So I, I feel um, to stay in my path and on my path, it is a daily process inward and saying, you know, are you happy? Are you, are you doing what you want to do? Is this bringing you joy? Are you excited to get out and to contribute in whatever way that means? How, how often do you think people are living their own lives and not others? How, how common is it to, for people to mind their own business, if you like? Gosh, that is a hard question. And I think it probably varies culture to culture. You know, what we teach our children. Um, I think in the States, it's, it's probably pretty low, probably 30%, 40% do. Um, but that's a total guess on my part. But I think once you start the process, once you start looking at yourself and you start the practice of just asking yourself, am I happy? Am I getting what I need? Can I ask for what I need? Um, then you stay in it. You know, you realize how much it helps, how much then when you are in the flow, you are happier, you are more present for people. You can be a better friend, a better mother, a better father, a better son, a better daughter um, when you're authentic and when you allow yourself to be vulnerable. And I think uh, once you realize that it's not as scary as it sounds, that it really does bring joy and happiness, uh, it's very easy to stay on the bandwagon. Like I can't imagine myself not asking myself these questions every day, or at least not focusing on, you know, how are you feeling? You know, how did you wake up today? Some days we would just wake up crabby. Don't know why, just wake up crabby, you know, but to acknowledge that helps it to move. What is, I mean, that, that's a beautiful way of putting it because I mean, that in ascension is, is a form of meditation, right? It's just to inwardly, inwardly reflect, but almost ask ourselves a question in the third party. So how am I today? So yes. by very nature, there should be an answer coming from somewhere. Yeah. And, and I've also learned to accept whatever the answer is, because it isn't always, oh, I feel great. I'm excited. Let's go. This is going to be a great day. You know, you don't always, that's not always the reality. You know, we have a lot of life things that happen to us on a daily basis and to those that we love. So, um, but I think by checking in with that and checking in with our Again, it's being more authentic and it's being more real. And I think you can move through the down days quicker. Mm. Um, they don't have to linger. One day doesn't have to turn into a month when you're looking for that flow in your life and you're looking for what does make you happy. And people that have had hard lives, that have had a lot of trauma in their lives, especially childhood trauma, sometimes it's hard to think of a good thing that's going on. And sometimes you have to start with, you know, your favorite flavor of ice cream and how that tastes in your mouth and how you love flavor and how it feels in your body. And you have to find something small to be grateful for and build from that. Is that, I mean, in terms of 
daily practices for you? Is, is that something, you know, that, that aspect of gratitude, that aspect of reflecting, asking questions, is this something you would practice regularly? Is that a recommended technique? Yeah, I practice it every day. The hypnotic meditation that I'm teaching now, I do it every night as I go to bed. Mm -hmm. If I don't do it during the day, you know, something may come up where I'll, I'll get triggered or I'll need it more of a first aid kit kind of thing. But ritualistically, I do it at the end of every day. It's kind of um, to clear the hard drive, you know, what went well that day and really pump myself up, give myself a pat on the back. It's great. Do more of that. That makes you happy. And then the things that don't go well, you know, give myself a break. Say, you know, you tried your best. You know, you put your foot in your mouth. That happens. You know, tomorrow I will do better. And it, it for me, it has a way of, again, just kind of clearing things of the day. So when I do start up with the next day, I'm not adding layer upon layer upon layer mm -hmm. and, and not carrying that, that feeling of being upset with myself. If things didn't go wrong, right. Or if I acted out or something happened that I don't give myself a hard time for the next six months over it, you know, that I, I deal with it that day and then I let it go. I mean, there's so many people who give themselves a hard time for, for a lifetime as well, won't they? I mean, they just carry it on. That's just who I am, right? We will tell things to ourselves that we won't tell another person. We say some horrible things to ourselves that we would never speak out loud to anybody, even a stranger, even someone we despise or disagree with. You know, we are very hard on ourselves. And often we are on that track for 15 or 20 minutes of belittling and degrading ourselves before we realize that we're doing it. So it's really catching it. And, and then, you know, cancel. Sorry, didn't mean that. Take it back. Take it back. And, and just realizing that thoughts are things. Thoughts have energy. You're putting an energy out into the universe with your thoughts, not just with your words. So when you have cruel or destructive or painful language to yourself or thoughts or ideas, that is what you are out. And that is what you are going to get back. It's that law of attraction. So by watching your thoughts and watching the way you greet life and working to shift it into a positive way, it will start to snowball. It is really pushing that snowball down the hill where because it feels good and it's also what the body mind and spirit really wants you know we're here to be happy we're here to live good successful happy lives and sometimes that's challenging i have a little visitor but yeah so that that aspect of i mean what's more powerful really is it to to look into the negative side of ourselves or negative you know aspect of who we are I don't know. I mean, I think we all need to check, check ourselves, you know, because we do get angry. We do get mean. We, we do have that side to us. So I think we have to check it, but I think the more we can stay in gratitude and the more we can think about what we love and why we love it and, and why that brings us happiness, it's going to keep us in a more positive frame of mind. Cause that's, I mean, there seems to be, two lines of thoughts for many people. One is to, you know, manifest goal set all future focused. And then I don't know from myself and speaking to other people and, and people who are successful, uh, ultimately they're saying actually the power is in the past. So the power is in the letting go the power is in, you know, accepting being present today, you know, 
Where, where do you sit on that? I, I think they're both true. I think the more you address the today, the more you're going to be happy in the future. And it, the future is going to take care of itself because you're leading in a, in a way that you want to go and in a way that you are meant to go. You know, I think we're all kind of set up with our talents and our gifts and our life. It's figuring how to use them in the way that we were sent here, you know, our purpose. And sometimes finding our purpose takes a while. You know, I was in my 40s before I realized mine. You know, I'd had a lot of jobs. I was a pastry chef. I trained horses. I had a, ran a restaurant, did a lot of different lot, different jobs in my life. And when I was 40, I hit the ground, truly. It was a moment of surrender. I realized I was very depressed and unhappy. My father had died in a car accident a few years before. And I realized I just sat in that depression for years and just tried to keep going, tried to feed my family, tried to do what I needed to do. But I was just dragging that guilt behind me. And it was a heavy weight. So one day, I was 40, I um, hit the, I was on the barn floor on my knees sobbing, you know, that snot filled, can't catch your breath sobbing of surrender. And I said, you know, I am tired of trying so hard and not getting anywhere. And I surrendered and said, you know, universe, you got to show me what I'm here for. You got to put me where you want me because I know I have purpose. I know I'm here for a reason. I know this is not a wasted life, but I am lost. And as soon as I had that moment, life really began to shift and change for me. And I realized that it really is about being in the flow every day about showing up and being as authentic as you can. And again, some days are going to be easier than others, but the fact that you show up and that you try um, makes a difference. And for me, when I was 40, I had never had a massage. I'd never had heard of the word Reiki or chakra. I didn't know anything about a spiritual life. I was raised Catholic. Um, my father was a very loving Catholic. The fire and brimstone was not the Catholicism I was raised with. It was God was a loving, caring being. So um, I, I was in that, but I, I didn't realize how much that my body, my mind, and my spirit had been talking to me for those three years that I was depressed. It was talking to me and saying, come on, come on, come on, you know, get, get with it, get with your program, get with who you are, step into who you are and surrender and said, okay, I'm not fighting anymore. I'm going to, you got to, you know, I'm just going to go with what comes to me. My life started to unfold before me. I was a pastry chef at the time. So I was at an alternative health clinic at their bed and breakfast breakfast. So I was making bread in the morning and cooking breakfast for the patients that were there at the clinic. I received my first Reiki attunement when I was working there. I took my first cranial sacral class while I was there. And then the physician who ran the clinic um, asked me to come and start working on patients. And these were people that were very sick. They were very um, either high levels of toxicity for one reason or another, or cancer or autoimmune issues. They were very sick people. And I learned so much from them and they taught me how to do the work that I do now, the body work. And they also helped me learn about the connection of our body, mind, and spirit to push us in the direction that we're supposed to go. 
That's, I mean, it's 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 beautiful to to have gone through that, and I'm I'm sort of struck the fact that actually before forty, it was almost like this spiritual world, as you say, the 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 body work side, the you know the Reiki, the, the cranial circuit therapy, etc. None of it almost was on your on your horizon at all. Not at all, not at all. Although I will say, I've always been a spiritual person. Okay. I've always felt close to nature. Always. Um, raised with a loving God as my role model, you know, not the fire and brimstone one. Um, I was always open to that and open to something bigger than myself, that it's not all self-driven. It's, you know, I'm part of a, a machine. I am a piece of a puzzle. And if I am not performing my job and I am not, you know, that piece, if I'm not in place, then the whole puzzle looks weird. You know, the whole we we all need to fulfill our roles. And I know in the states, our culture tells us to be something, to look like something, but it's not really encouraging us to go inward and be authentic. You know, but what 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 give what skills and gifts do you have? You know, what do you want to offer the world? How can you make things better? And it it's not always a big thing. It doesn't always mean hypnosis and body work and you know, running a podcast where you give people a voice. It's, it's, you know, just being kind. It's just being kind. I find, I find that super interesting. The fact that, I mean, does the body have the answer? I mean, are we essentially, we're just bad drivers in of the, of the vehicle for, for want of a better analogy. Yeah, we do. I, we, we just figure if we put gas in the tank, the car is going to run. And it's not that. And body work really taught me that. When I first started doing meditation, I had the false impression that you want to go out of body, up into the ethos somewhere. Our answers are up floating in the heavens and we want to bring it down and draw it in. And what taught me is that it's all in our cells, it's in our tissue, it's in our DNA, it's in here. So by um, even realizing where your pain is and investigating what pain in that part of your body means, what your body's trying to tell you is huge. You know, the chakras all carry different energetic balances to the body. So if there's an issue in a certain part of your body, there is an imbalance in your life associated with that part of your body. And uh, Carolyn Mace wrote a beautiful book called Anatomy of the Spirit that I recommend to many people and go back to a lot. It's been my Bible working. If I'm working with somebody and I can't quite put my finger on what's going on, I go back to that book. And she really explains what we carry in our different chakras, what energy is there, and, and what, what the issue is. Uh, for the benefit of the, the, the reader or the listeners, my, yeah. my daughter came into the interview. She never comes into interviews. And not only that, she, she normally wouldn't sort of come here or whatever. And despite me sort of giving the look and sort of saying, don't come near, she still came here, which I find extremely interesting. The fact yeah. that there's some connection to yourself, Mary, there's some reason because I have learned that the, my kids are teaching me, not me teaching them. Absolutely. So, um, I, I'd say it's a ma massive credit to you, the fact that for some reason my, my daughter wanted Love to connect that. with you today. So Love that. It, it's part my life back to her. Yeah, it's 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 powerful. What what what's your what is your purpose then, Mary? What's your fire in your belly? Oh, the fire in my belly right now, and it is a fire. 
is this hypnotic meditation practice that I've developed. Yeah. I get excited to talk about it day. I've been doing a lot of podcasts and I can't talk enough about it. I travel and I teach it. I've written the book um, because I think it's a wonderful tool to help people go inward and shift what they need to shift. Habit, fear, imprint. Um, our brain's number one job is to keep us safe. It is not to make us happy or successful or profitable or anything like that. It's just about safety. So sometimes getting past that critical mind can help us go inward and shift that that doesn't suit us anymore. We pick up a lot of imprints the way our families did things. We start doing things that way. And then to look at that and say, you know, is that really what I want to do? Is this really who I am? Just an aside, I'll tell you a funny story. Maybe you've heard it before about an imprint. There was a woman baking a ham and she cut the two ends off of the ham and wrapped it in foil and put it in the oven. And her husband asked, why did, why did you cut the ends off the ham and then before you put it in the oven? And she said, well, that's how my mother always did it. So she father and says, mom, why do you cut the ends off the ham before you wrap it and put it in the oven? She said, well, that's how my mother always did it. So the woman goes to her granny and says, grandma, how come you keep cutting the ends off the ham before you put it in the oven? And granny says, well, that's because that's the size that my oven was. So there's things that we pick up on in life that aren't necessarily, aren't necessarily true to us, aren't necessarily the right thing for us. But out of habit and out of imprint, um, we just continue that way. So I know I'm a very different person than I was in my 20s. If I still was working out of the same imprints and habits and fears that I did in my 20s, you know, I wouldn't, that wouldn't be, look so good on a 62 year old. So, you know, it's about change and, and changing into what you need as you need, you know, to change things. So rise is a, beautiful practice because you can go inward and you can shift what you need to shift now. So maybe this month you need boundaries. Maybe, you know, somebody's walking all over you and you haven't figured out how yet to have a boundary with them. Maybe that's your issue this month. Maybe next month your issue is sleep and you need to get better good quality sleep. Then you can use rise for that. You know, so this is a practice that you can learn and you can have it for a lifetime to address whatever comes up in the moment. You get in a fight with your spouse, you're, you know, you can't quite understand what, what that's about. You need to go inward and, and kind of think about it and reflect on it and shift some things for yourself. That This is a beautiful practice for that as well. So it's something to do uh, ritualistically. That's why I call it a meditation practice because I'm encouraging people to sit in the same place, you know, light the same candle, put on the same music, whatever you, whatever resonates with um, so that your body, your mind, and your spirit get used to the habit of doing this practice. And then it becomes very easy and quick to do. I got triggered in a restaurant one night. Someone said something, a table over, that I was just, I was bad out of my chair. I mean, I was ready to blow up. And I thought, no, the restaurant, the rest of the restaurant doesn't have to, you know, hear what I, my word, you know, it's not about me. It's not about them. It's about me and me being triggered. So I went to the bathroom and I did my rise and kind of got it together and I could go back out and participate um, without being the angry person that I was feeling in the moment. Um, so it's also a great first aid tool. Um, you know, we get in car accidents, heaven forbid, um, but we also get in critical situations sometimes where we just need to kind of catch our breath 
and come back in and not be scattered out of our body. Because what trauma does is it, it, it gets that fright flight going wherever either we freeze or we run away. So this is also a good tool to give you a chance just to process what's happening in the moment. I think, I mean, that's, that's so, it's so powerful and so beautiful. I mean, to, to give our listeners the, the proper book introduction. So the book is called Rise, Hypnotic Meditation, a lifelong skill for meaningful change in four easy steps. And I love it. So you, you have that acronym there that you're running. So you're, you're running with a RISE acronym. So it is, it's, it's four. Yeah, I didn't steps, want right? people to have to look at a piece of paper or, you know, that you can do it anytime you need it, that you have this in your head, in your heart, um, to go to it as a skill. So the acronym RISE stands for R is for relax. So you do a body progressive relaxation, you know, take deep breaths, drop into your body, close out all the noise around you, focus inward. I stands for imagine. So you want to go to a place in your mind's eye that's very safe and happy for you. Some people, it's nature. I love to go to nature, to the beach, to the woods, to a lake. Um, but also many people have reported they end up at their grandmother's attic where they used to play as a child or a bedroom in a house that they loved that they had when they were younger, that they really loved or a backyard that they used to play in that they loved or a tree house. So it doesn't matter where you go, but it wants to, it needs to be somewhere that resonates with you. And then you want to really bring your senses alive in this place. So if you go to the beach you want to feel the sand, how the sand is really warm on top and you wiggle your toes down and the sand gets colder. You know, you want to think about that. Think about the sun on your skin and how that feels. The waves, you know, hear the waves crashing, smell the salty air, hear the birds, see the colors of the air and the water, you know, really bring that place alive. And then S stands for suggest. And that's where you're planting the suggestion in the subconscious. So by doing the first two steps, you're eliminating that critical mind that says, I can't change. I'm going to be the same person I've always been. I have to do this habit. If I don't, who am I? So it, that first two really knock that down so that you can get into the subconscious and replace or put in whatever you want, you know? Um, and you can do this through visualization. If you are dealing with anger, for example, you could imagine it as a red hot ball of flame and put it in the ocean water and see it turn blue and see steam rise from the water and see it morph and change. Or you could just imagine your life to the manifestation where you see your life. If I wasn't an angry person, how would I be? How would I react to situations? How would other people's reactions change to me? You know, what would be different in my life? And that's where you really go into the last stage, which is empower, which is what has changed and how that's going to empower you. What power are you receiving by letting go of an old habit or increasing a positive one? Um, Harvard University and Columbia University have both studied superhero poses or poses of power. If you do yoga, that could be a mountain pose or a warrior pose. I'm sure in martial arts, there's quite a few power poses as well. I'm not as familiar with, but the one that I love to do in class is the hero pose with your fists on your hips and your legs in an A-frame standing very tall. And Columbia and Harvard, by standing in those poses for two minutes, they have that there's a chemical change that happens in the body. It reduces your cortisol by 25%, which is your stress hormone. 
and it increases testosterone. And that is the power hormone. So just by standing for 120 seconds in a pose, you're changing something, shifting yourself. So after you've let go of something, then to incorporate this power that you feel inside from having let go of an old habit or anything that doesn't serve you anymore. Um, it, it's a very powerful practice. Um, and I think doing it as a meditation practice, doing it daily, really ritualizes it in the body and the mind so that you can very quickly get there. Now I do it and I can get into that state very quickly because I've been doing it for a number of years. And it doesn't take years, but it's, it's a practice. It's so, it's so simple, isn't it though? Uh, I mean, it, it it's simple in so many ways. And yet we, we, you know, we complicate the hell out of life in general. And we're always looking outside of ourselves. We're looking for the next thing, but that, probably get my soapbox here a bit, but I mean, that that's almost, the, you know, it's the marketing departments of X, Y, and Z social media channel or product or whatever versus your inner mind. And no, take the pill. Yeah. Take this pill. And then we realize, well, that pill gave us another problem. We need to take another pill for. Um, and we think that's easier. Uh, and you know, maybe some people have to go down that road before they realize. And I know many people that have gone down that road of just, you know, give me another pill for another symptom before they hit bottom. And they realize they need to start peeling those layers away of unhappiness and of codependency and of depression and of anxiety and admitting really how they feel and what they need. And in our culture, we give a hard time to people who state what they need and there's nothing wrong with that. We all have needs. You know, I know if I don't get alone time, I get very crabby and I know that is a need I have. And now I can tell my husband, I need some alone time, you know, no offense, but I'm shutting the door and I'm going in this room for a couple hours. I just need it or I'm, you know, for my balance. And so it's, it's finding what is your balance and asking for what you need to keep that balance. And that's really what the body wants is balance. Not too much of anything. And I, I find that sort of super interesting. I mean, how, how do you val validate what the body wants? Because, you know, you, you throw a bit of ego in there, subconscious chatter, you throw a bit of, you know, sort of all the usual outside influences. I mean, how do you know what's good for you? Um, the relaxation state. Okay. If you relax yourself very deeply and start asking questions, you can't lie to yourself because you're in a relaxed state. Can and you give you're, an example of those questions that you would ask yourself to, to help understand that? Why am I not happy? Like, why am I stressed? <laughs> why, why do I get anxious whenever I'm with this certain person? Even though I love them very much, they make me feel anxious. Why is that? Why does my stomach hurt when I do X, Y, or Z? Why do I get headaches, you know, after this sort of a confrontation? Um, I think just asking the question is huge. You're setting an intention. Mm -hmm. And intention is what moves energy. So if you change your intention from me, 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 and the ego, and you change it to a more general I'm happiness or peace or balance, 
then it kind of it shifts the the dialogue and then the answer can come up from within. Um, I often do this when I'm debating something for my business. Do I do this or do I do that? I have a limited amount of time. I have a limited amount, you know, that I can do this sort of thing. You know, what do I do? And I'll go inward and get quiet and the answer will come to me. And then I'll just go with that. Um, and it hasn't, you know, because I'm asking myself and I'm going deeply, I also can't blame it on anybody else. It's not. And I think we look for when we get unhappy, we look for the world around us to change. You know, if my husband would just stop dropping towels on the floor, if my dog would stop, you know, dirtying my my carpets, if you know, then I would be happy if, you know, if someone loved me more, if someone did this, someone did that can't affect change in anybody else. We can only affect change in ourselves. So we we need that inward focus and a moment of time really to get true with who we are and what we want. And once we start comparing and well, my neighbor has it, so I must need, you know, and, and saying those kind of things, we're getting out of our off own authenticity, you know, go inside. Do I really need X, Y, or Z that my neighbor has? You know, if, if it comes up, yes, I really do need it. Then maybe you do need it, but maybe you don't, you know, and just asking the question, I think is so validating to ourselves. You know, it's okay. My opinion does matter, even if it's just to myself. I'm not asking for the answer to my question to be from without. I'm, I'm, at, I'm validating what comes from within. Is is life like one big? You know, they talk about the, the five stages of grief, you know, and it's uh, along the lines of written them down. There's this denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And I'm I'm kind of what I'm hearing here is almost that aspect of we look at somebody else and then we we get angry that we maybe have it or don't have it or should have had or could have happened. And then you sort of say, if I did this, then that might happen. If I go in this course, if if they love me more, if I you know if he just cleaned up, you know, took the towels off the floor, or whatever, then you sort of give up almost hope until you then accept who you are. Does it, does that make sense? It does. It does because it's all got to go back inward. You know, and I don't know why, but that seems to be the last place we look. We'll read a book. We'll watch a documentary for our answers. We'll we'll look outside of ourselves more often, I think, than we go inward. And I think that's where, um, especially now when life is so chaotic, the pandemic has had us so isolated. Our children are so anxious and so confused. You know, there's a lot of emotion that's come up in the last couple of years. I think that we need tools and we need a way to get a handle on it um, to keep living our best life. Because when fear starts running our life, um, it, it's not good. <laughs> it's just, it's not, it's not purposeful. You know, we're, we're dealing out of a negative, not a positive. Super interesting. So you talk about there the best life. I mean, what, what would be a commandment or a set of commandments, if you like, or, you know, a principle to basically live your best life? What would that be? Um, the first thing on the list, I would say, is being authentic. Okay. Um, second would be being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. 
you know, let yourself be embarrassed. Let yourself be sad. It's okay. We all feel those. Don't push them off. Um, gratitude would be up there. Um, and then I think everyone needs to find their purpose, perfect physical balance as well. How much sleep do you really need a day? And are you giving that to yourself? Mm. What type of food really feeds your mind, your body and your soul, not just um, your depression or your anxiety? You know, when we are uh, stressed, we crave salt. When we are depressed, we crave sugar. So, you know, realizing that and changing our diet. Um, Anything like that that's really self, it seems self-centered and selfish, but it's not. Because the more real we are with ourselves and the more authentic we are, the more we're giving everyone around us permission to do the same. And I know I, with my mother, I'll give you an example. Uh, she won't tell you what she needs. She expects you to know what she needs. So there's this dance we do all the time. Well, what do you want, mom? Oh, I, I don't know. What, what should I? I don't know. You know, so there's this weird dance we keep doing that um, because we're giving over our power to someone else for acceptance. So just admitting that this is what I need, this is what I want, is there's nothing wrong with that. We don't have to be... Um, what everyone expects us to be. And really, I don't think they want us to be, you know, would you want all of your friends to be the same? Would you want the world to be all the same personality characteristics? It's just, I think, boring, but it's, it's um, allowing other people as well to be who they are. You know, don't expect them to be like you. Don't expect them to be neat and tidy the way you are. You know, it's, 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 um, we, we, again, we need all those pieces of the puzzle that's so interesting the fact uh, and and you, you do hear people saying about it it's not about being more it's actually being about being less or about being present and correct uh, you know in your own balance sheet and and i think it's it was jordan peterson or someone else that sort of said you know like every everything we have or everything we do it, it's all kept on a scorecard you know mm -hmm. and and you know, it's, it's almost irrelevant to when it happens. It all has to be balanced at some point in your life, you know, and you, you never sort of get away with it. It's always, it's recorded yeah, somewhere. It'll catch up with you. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, I suppose for you, even that, that transition process from enough's enough, you know, you are on the floor breaking down and that's all that's happening. But, you know, is it like, do you think it almost like an addiction? There is a drying out phase or, a, or a, a, an adjustment phase before you sort of, you know, you, I'm assuming you don't sort of go to your darkest hour and then the next day and go, I feel fantastic. Job done. 100%. Let's crack on, right? No, you don't. But there was a piece that came with the surrender hmm. because I no longer had to figure it out for myself. I was giving a bit of control over to the universe and saying, show me. And once I said that, it really did start to happen very quickly. And this is a really odd, weird story, but at the time I was training horses when I was on my knees in the barn and my daughter was riding horses, their barn uh, lessons, and there was an animal communicator to train my horses. I'll go 
take this animal communication class. And in it, he's talking about Reiki and he's talking about putting his hands on people. And I'm just sitting there with the most confused look on my face. Like, what is he talking about? I thought this was animal communication. And he's like, well, yeah, you can use it on your animals, but you're not going to. You know, it's like he, he could see things in me that I didn't see in myself because I had been pushing an agenda. I had two children in school that I was trying to, you know, keep them on the straight and narrow and keeping them with getting good grades and keeping the horses cared for and the stalls mucked. And I had a big to-do list every day that I was filling my time with instead of being, you know, authentic. But I think once I opened the door and said, I'm not going to push as hard anymore. I'm going to listen. So start talking. <laughs> it did. Life did. Life started to direct me. And then it was me just having faith that things would work out in the long run. And again, I've always had this feeling, I don't know if everybody does, maybe everybody does, but this life is not wasted. You know, we're here for a reason. And even if it's just to be authentic in ourselves, it doesn't mean we have to go out and be healers or be therapists or anything like that. But if we're just authentic to who we are, um, that has been something all my life that's been important to me. And so I think I do keep pushing myself towards that authenticity because I know I'm here for a reason. So, and I don't know what it is. You know, life's big. Uh, when I was college, Reiki wasn't around. Reiki was not a word. I'm sure chakra was, but Reiki was not anything I could have even spelt for you. I had no idea, um, much less other types of body work. And massage was something kind of weird and odd. You know, you get naked on the table and you let somebody put their hands on you. What? You know, and now, gosh, I can't go a month without one. But um, So it's it's also looking at where we shut ourselves down. You know, where we say, no, I can't do that. Or no, I have to do this. You know, I have to cut the ends off the ham. You know, but do we ask ourselves why? Why do I why do I have this pattern? Why do we always have to eat at exactly six o'clock every night? We can't eat at six oh five. You know, what or whatever, whatever, wherever you see yourself putting limits on yourself. Ask yourself why and see what comes. Do you think, I mean, meditation, that taking that time to reflect. Do you think most people are able to reflect on themselves enough or do you think is it useful to have an outside party to reflect off? You know, sort of the question is, can people self-help or does it, is it more useful to be guided or to, to have this mastermind coach mentor? Yeah, I, I really think it depends upon the person. Okay. I think if you are dedicated and you practice going inward and quieting yourself, if you can do the first two steps of rise, then you can because it is just relaxing yourself and changing. It's not asking for approval and permission and instruction from the world. It's turning it inward and asking it from ourselves. So I think anybody can do it. Um, it is a practice, you know, like yoga is a practice. My first down dog didn't look very pretty, but I can do it pretty well now. You know, you practice and it becomes ingrained. It becomes a part of who you are. And so then it's very easy and it's very quick to ask yourself to get that read, you know, 
okay, yeah, this is what I want. Okay, no, no, not, not now, maybe later, not now, you know, or whatever the answer is. But if you're not asking yourself the question, how are you ever going to get the answer? On that, I mean, I'm curious, so many times in, in life and business and goals, whatever, we, we set goals. Mm -hmm. And I'm very conscious that they are conscious-based activities, mm -hmm. projections, whatever. Yeah. Is that healthy or should we be going the other way around is almost asking, you know, asking our imagination saying, you know, because you, you mentioned there, it's like that's I'm not sure necessarily what my purpose is yet or what my true calling is yet, et cetera. Should we be trying to just stay open and neutral and saying, listen, what will be will be or should we try and guide ourselves, but maybe say, stay loose in the saddle to adjust accordingly? I love that. I think it's the latter. Okay. Um, but it may be different for different people. I can only really speak to my experience with that. Um, I think for some people being guided is a good way to get started because it'll, it'll help you get in the framework of it. But, um, it's a practice. It's yeah. It's, it's just a practice. I've, I mean, I find that I suppose, and, and probably my, my question gives it away. It's that's, that's almost my own curiosity. It's, you know, how much we should try and steer our lives and like saying how much we should uh, just be there. But I, I suppose even as you say that the rise practice at least gives you the opportunity to continually ask the question or to continually sit in reflection. Yeah. And the key to all of this and everything we're talking about is intention. Hmm. You know, I didn't have an intention before I hit my knees. I was just pushing. I didn't, it wasn't about me having my best life or a happy life. It was about me uh, keeping my family afloat and keeping myself afloat emotionally instead of letting myself drop in down that I needed to release. So I think it's, it's different for different people. Um, I would just be careful when the ego starts to drive it. When you feel like, oh, I have to do this right now. That's when I think you really need to back up and you really need to ask the question, am I pushing? Is this my ego pushing or is this just the time to move? And I think those type of answers, especially the yes, no's, are, you can get an answer pretty quick. Um, but intention is everything. Intention is what moves energy. So if you set an intention to be different in any way, that's going to set that energy in motion to be that way. So especially if you're consistent, if you wake up with the same intention several days in a row, that's adding more and more fuel and power to that intention because intentions and thoughts are energy. They are physical energy. So what energy do you want to create around yourself? And again, even if it's just a self-compassionate, I'm going to ask, start asking myself some questions about my happiness. That's a beautiful place to start. And I really feel like this is also work that kind of rolls over. You know, it grows. It grows. So just, this is really interesting. So just separate for me, say, goals and intentions. What's the difference? I, th I think of a goal as something uh, very physical very outside of myself. An intention 
is almost a wish with power. I love that. So is it, it, it kind of, what I'm hearing is almost like it's a code of conduct. It's, it's how you apply yourself. Yeah. And it's where you put your energy. Are you putting your energy in what you fear? Oh, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. Are you putting your energy into that? Or are you putting your energy into, oh, this is really what I want. This is really who I am. Are you pleasure driven or pain driven? Where, where are you driven? Pleasure for sure. For sure. I've had enough pain. Mm. I run away from the pain. You know, I mean, we all deal with it still, yeah. you know, and I'm sure I'll have more of it in my life, but I'm certainly not going to want to attract it. It doesn't motivate me. It, it, it drops me down into a place that doesn't motivate me. Happiness motivates me. Peace, contentment motivates me. I kind of get a feeling and it's a, probably a mass assertion, but it's that thing is we don't necessarily, if, we, if we're not in tune enough or we're not awake enough, the only thing that actually we can respond to or, or triggers us enough is the pain. Cause unless we're awake, then the pleasure part just doesn't hit the spot. It doesn't, it, it isn't loud enough to, for us to, to be switched on and hearing it. Interesting. And I wonder if that's nature's way. Yeah. Like it gives us little hints and little pushes and then it's got to get louder and louder and louder until it's dropping bricks on our heads. Yeah. Saying, wake up. Yeah. I need you over here. This is what you're supposed to be doing. It's not so interesting. Even just seeing it like that, it's, uh, it, it's, it's deafening silence. It's deafening, you know, it, genuinely it's not, you know, we're chasing it. And, and I've, I've, do, I've been there and done it. I know my own corporate career that I had, I chasing, 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 chasing. Now I have bar the experience. I have nothing to show for it as such. But are um, you happy? I've never been so happy in my life. And in that, I mean, to me, that's what it's about. It's not about how much we die with money in the bank or what our position is, what, what title we have behind our name when we pass from this life and go to the whatever. Um, yeah, it's about being happy, spending time with that daughter. The, the, there's so many people, and the, there's an expression which I would sort of regularly use is, you know, your voids are your values for many people. So the voids mm -hmm. that they have in their life, are the, they're the things that we seek. You know, so, and it's interesting, you know, when we talk about our, you know, what is, what is your value set? I, I, I like to call them more like, you know, your soul values as opposed to core values. Yes. But so many people will rate honesty as, as their values or one of their needs. And you're going, that's really curious. Surely honesty is, is something you need because there has been a lack of it at some point. Hence why you value it. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. And I, you know, I guess it doesn't matter how you get there. <laughs> you know, if, if you're looking at your voids and working from that place or working from your values, as long as you're heading direction towards your filled life, it feels like and looks like, I don't know that it matters as long as we get there. You know, I mean, living in your voids and depressed, <laughs> but if that's where you start, because that's what you're feeling, 
that's authentic and real. If you, all you feel is lack in your life, that's real. People do feel that and that's authentic and that's real. But they also need to be, know that they have choice. And that's what I think our, our culture, again, does not give us choice. You can do it that way. You can look at your, your voids or you can look at your values and increase your values. And maybe that depends upon personality type. I'm not really sure about that. Mm-hmm. But as long as it's growth towards happiness, towards fulfillment, towards authenticity, I'm kind of okay with how you get there. For many, and that's, I suppose, in reflection or in hindsight, I mean, is it that sort of, you know, breaking down on the carpet, you know, do we have to go to that point or is it just that that needs to be the breakthrough method at that time? Because, you know, I was that stubborn. Yeah. Yeah. I was that stubborn. And actually I was so, um, my father taught me unconditional love. He was that to me. And I knew he always had my back. He was the first person I ever knew that passed. And he died on a Thursday in a car accident. The funeral was on Saturday. And on Sunday, I was told to go back to my life forward. And so I really felt like that, you know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do with the grief that I had. I had no clue. It was the first experience and I had no guidance. So I realize now looking back, I spent a good three to five years in a, in a deep depression, a uh, functioning depression, mm-hmm. but a depression. And I think it was that, that load that I kept building upon my shoulders kept getting heavier and heavier and heavier because it wasn't happiness. I was trying to put a grief where I really needed to just stop and feel it and realize and feel the love that I had with my father and, and recognize it and appreciate it and, and give glory to it. And that was something that I was afraid of. It's like, if I fall into that emotion, I'm never going to get out. If I start to cry about it, I'll never stop crying. And it's, you do, you do stop, but it's that feeling that you have, um, when you're deep in that grief and that sorrow. And I think sometimes life does bring us these opportunities to shift things and to open our eyes. Um, I don't think we have to. I think our children differently. I think if we taught our children to seek their happiness, to be authentic, um, I think they'd be more comfortable in feeling their grief when they first experience the grief of their life or whatever issue comes to them, you know, losing that job that they loved and that they worked so hard for, you know, life gives us disappointments, but you know, it also gives us joys, you know, which one are we going to give more emphasis to and more credit to? I find that so interesting. It's that aspect, as you said, and you, you know, it's like almost, I can't, I can't start crying now because if I, if I start, I, I almost won't stop. Right. It's like, is that not the biggest warning bell you, you could ever have? Right. You know, so I'll not start crying in case, yeah, it gets, I go into ugly crying, you know, and yeah. it, it gets out of control. <laughs> an ugly cry. And then, right. you know, and it's, it's, it's that aspect of going, that's exactly what you need. And yet we then society or whatever, you know, you know, pick yourself back up again and all the rest. And it's like, no, actually 
you kind of need to just make a mess of yourself for a while. And and, and And that's okay. Again, it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. We all are messes now and then. And, you know, the people that love us and support us should understand and support that as we do them. Um, And that's where I hope we're moving. The more that we realize as a nation or as a, as a world that we're all the same, you know, we are all suffering through pain and through loss, but we also have opportunity for great joy and great love in this life. So which one do you want to focus on? Have you been here before? Do you think? Yes. Do you know many times or? Um, I've, I don't know. I've, I, I do in that. I have a knowing of some things sometimes mm-hmm. that seem older than me, you know, seem more, uh, historical than me. Um, I do believe in, in, in lives to come. I don't think it's all going to turn black when I die. If it does, it does. You know, I'm not that invested either way. I won't, you know, yeah. but I, I do think, and just from physics and from my science class, you know, energy turns into something else. Energy doesn't dissipate. It always revolves into something else. So, um, so I do, be- I do believe we'll get more opportunity and I do believe we get opportunity and why we are here is to evolve and to look at ourselves and to grow and to change and to help each other evolve, you know, and to be better people. Uh, we're still very animalistic, even though we consider ourselves so much higher in evolution above the animals and, you know, they're animals, but we're animals, you know, we need to start looking at our higher self and gravitating towards that. And, um, I think it's easier as our base needs are being met now that housing and food are more of a security for more people, although they're still not guaranteed for everybody. A lot of people don't have homes and aren't have food insecurity. Um, But I think just that, if we could get that for everyone, then we can kind of start working up that chain of evolution. Because when when you're worried about a meal or shelter or those very base instinct, you don't have the time or the energy to think about happiness or about, you know, being who you are supposed to be in the world. You know, you're trying to survive. Mm -hmm. And it makes me sad that we make it so hard on each other to survive. We have enough. We have enough. We have enough homes. We have enough, enough food now. Hopefully we'll get there soon to take care of each other. Do you, I know it's kind of hard because quite often we, we sort of associate with a circle and the people in our contacts, but do you think there is a change? Do you think, you know, what we're going through people are, there's, there is an awakening if you want to put that way. I do. I absolutely do. Hmm. Um, and just what I've noticed in the last 20 years from when I started doing this work, well, it's been 22 now, but um, in 2000, you know, just that I didn't know the word Reiki. I didn't know that I had avenues of change and avenues to help other people change. I didn't know about healing. I didn't know about the, you know, the imprints and the energies that we carry can be released. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I think more people are finding that now. I know here in the States, it's a real grassroots movement where I was receiving a lot of clients that were coming from their physicians. And it kind of surprised me. And I met one one day and I said, how did you know about me? How did you know about the body work I'm doing? And he said, well, one of my clients told me about the success they'd had. So that's why I started sending you other clients. And then they were reporting the same thing. So it was kind of the proofs in the pudding. You know, when you try to explain energy medicine or Reiki or craniosacral or any of these uh, uh, therapies, they're hard to explain because energy doesn't have a smell or a color or a sound when it's released. It just releases. It has a feel. It does have that. Um, so it's hard for people to gravitate towards it. But once when they ask me, that's like, if I go to a party, the question I hate the most is, what do you do for a living? because it takes me 20 minutes to explain. <laughs> and then, but, um, but once people get on the table and they feel it for themselves and they feel the change in their body and they feel that deep relaxation and release, they don't ask questions anymore. You know, the proof is there. And I think that's why the practices have grown the way they've grown is because they are real and people do feel it and they do feel their burdens being lifted and they do feel more holy themselves. Um, and that's what it's about. It's, it's, it's living with a bit of faith too, isn't it really? It's, you know, that's the thing I suppose with Ricky, it's, it's, or any, any, a lot of the, um, so the, I suppose the healing elements, it's like, we can't necessarily put a tangible on it. We can't necessarily say, yeah, green light did it. Yeah. You're sorted. Yeah. So yeah. there has to be an element of faith, but almost, and I suppose maybe with what's happened over the last couple of years is people have been stretched to the point and said, listen, there has to be something else for my I'll own sanity. Yeah. That. I've heard that. I've, I'll, I'll give anything a try. And they yeah. desperate and they hit bottom. Um, but I'll tell you this, you don't have to believe in Reiki on you. The practice. Practitioner needs to have faith and needs to believe it because they're the ones who are con the conduit of the energy. So they need to be open and let that energy flow through them. The person on the table does not have to have a faith system in this. I've had people come and try to disprove me. They fall asleep within 10 minutes. They twitch. They release. They wake up an hour later and go, what just happened? Well, I feel good. I feel like I just slept eight hours. Okay. <laughs> Have a good day. You know, and it's, but it's, uh, yeah, you don't, you don't have to have a faith system to go get on a practitioner's table. It's that, yeah. It's nature. It's someday um, physicists are going to be able to explain it. There's something going on. There's a transference of energy happening that I think is explainable. We're just not there yet. Hmm. Um, there are a lot of, a lot of science being done about Reiki now. Um, and they're starting to prove certain things. I know the army, the United States army has done a lot of work into the energy fields around the human body. And they found like 500 different energy fields that exist around the human body. So you know, they're starting to get to where they can measure these things and measure the shifts and the changes. But I think we're just now starting to get there. And it's because people are feeling a difference. So now they want to know, well, what happened? Why do I feel different? What, what happened? 
And so science is, is starting to catch up a little bit. And I think one day it will be explained. But I can't tell you why my television works either. Yeah. I just turn it on and the pictures are there and I flip to different channels. I can't tell you how, you know, why Oprah's in my living room. I don't know, you know. There's a lot of things on this planet that I can't explain. So um, I kind of gave that up early on, mm. um, the explaining of it. That was very important to me at the beginning because I couldn't explain it. And that was very frustrating to me. But it's not so much anymore. But it, it almost is that aspect of, um, and that sort of ego, egoic behavior, right? Because it, it has to have, it has to feel position and identity and it has to, has to have polarity. There has to be a right, it has to be a wrong, et cetera, as opposed to just a, a being free, a being present going, yeah. We're, we're such uh, judgers. We <laughs> judge. Yeah. This is good, this is bad. Yeah. This is right, this is wrong. And sometimes it's in the middle. Hmm. Sometimes it's right today and wrong tomorrow. You know? It be, it's about flex, I think. I mean, it's just that, I suppose, isn't it? I mean, it's perspective because what is right today could be the same exact same thing could be wrong tomorrow, right? So it's what's changed. I, I assume the actual item, product, result is the same. It's our perception of of what it is has changed. It. Yeah, last time that was a good thing, but now not so much, you know, right. so. We change, you know, and if we're still living off of the values that we had 20, 30 years ago, you know, not only are we not evolving, but we're really stuck. Mm. You know, I think flexibility is a huge component to surviving. Yeah. The world changes. And that's, I mean, what I was going to say to you, what, what is almost a, a, you know, is it that flexibility? Is it the sort of being present to just say, listen, okay, just to be an observer as opposed to a judger or, or anything else? Is, is that a useful trait to have in life? Being a judger? No, being, I suppose, being just listening, but without judgment, maybe the opposite. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. I think that's what the best therapists do. Yeah. Is they just let you be you and express what you need to express with no judgment. And again, that's, I think that the definition of vulnerability as well, besides flexibility. And we've been talking a lot about vulnerability, but, um, yeah, it kind of allows, we're not pre-designing our life. When we pre-design our life, we are excluding all of the extra magic and beauty that can happen in our life because we are setting ourselves down such a rigid path that maybe there's an opportunity for something that we had never dreamt of to happen. Um, I know that was my experience. I ended up in a world that I never dreamt of. I didn't know it existed. But it's where I'm supposed to be. Mm. So if I hadn't had that moment on my knees in the barn, I don't know. I think I'd be a very frustrated, unhappy woman um, because I wasn't living who I am. And I didn't know what that was at the time. You know, it's it's so amazing the way timing is. You know, I think it all happened the way it was supposed to happen. I think those years of suffering that I had uh, came out to be purposeful. That was almost the dress rehearsal, right? 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I, I love seeing that with people because otherwise they sort of, it's almost saying, well, what if, what if my whole life has been a, a waste, you know, because, or people say when they finally get to where they want and I'll never forget one particular interview and a lady who had a very traumatic event and, and when she was seven years of age and it took her to 50 to basically to process and to, to come out on top mm-hmm. and asking her the question saying, you know, what would you change? And her answer was nothing. And saying, well, I, I couldn't be where I am had I not been through it. Just, it was awful. And she went to hell and back in so many ways. But to have the hindsight or to have the wisdom to say, I had to do that because that was all the practice. That was all the reflection. That was all the lessons to give me the depth of who I am today. And that, that just blew my mind. Oh, and congratulations to her for doing that because so many people bury it and bury it and bury it and bury it for their whole lives. And they are very unhappy people. And, and they're, they're in chains. They are truly in bondage because that emotion gets so stuck and it starts to drive us and it overrides our brains and yeah. it's on us very heavily. So um, kudos to her because, again, I feel like that's she did the work of her life. That's why she is here was to do that. And she learned beautiful lessons through that process that she won't have to go through again, is my belief. Like she's she's got it. She's got it. And she's figured out how to make herself happy and how to, you know, put her pain in perspective. Yeah. So instead far. of it ruling her. And many of us let our pain rule us instead of our joy. Again, I suppose it, it's, it's, it's having that faith. I know even from my, I suppose my own journey, there's times when, you know, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. And then you actually go on. But the problem is you're, you're, you're left in wanting, you know, that that's all it is. And the problem, if you're too busy wanting, you're not, you're not taking the time to listen or to hear, you know? So, um, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's an amazing reflection. So it's, um, but tell me, I mean, so, I mean, the, I mean, is this something you're, you know, you're just getting deeper and more into every day. This is, this is actively who you are, you, you know, and, mm-hmm. and something you, you sort of, I mean, what's, what does the future hold for Mary or is that, that's what's open to? Well, uh, when the pandemic happened, uh, my body, the body work business closed for a couple of different reasons, not just because of the pandemic, so I lost my office space. And when I started thinking about renting a new space, it didn't feel right. You know, when I got quiet and talked to myself about that or listened for that, it wasn't that. It was like, no, you need to teach. You've, you've been a student long enough. Now you have something of value to teach. And I started thinking about this practice that I was doing with my clients uh, the last, probably the last 10 years of the practice, which was marrying the body work and hypnosis together. So my clients would come in the door, uh, maybe the first time with a physical ailment and, you know, okay, my back pain's better, but I have the emotional issue or I have, um, I have this anger towards my sister that I is unrational and I really need to get a handle on it. And, or something like that, that I felt hypnosis was more appropriate for. So I got my hypnosis certification and started marrying the therapies together and um, so as I sat with the pandemic in those months that everything was shut down, uh, one day RISE really came to me. The acronym I, was a gift. 
it was here, let's make it simple. Let's make it adaptable so everybody can do it. So anybody can pick up the book and read it and do this as a practice or they can take the workshop. I also teach it in a three hour workshop and travel, love to travel. So um, if anybody's ever interested in that, have a group together and would like to learn RISE, happy to help with that. Um, and so I'm presenting at conferences this year, at a couple of hypnosis conferences, at a mental health conference here in Louisville next weekend, some yoga festivals, uh, really anywhere I am welcomed and invited, I show up because I really have a passion for, really feel like this is an important for right now. It's something that people can pick it up as a practice and individualize it for themselves. And, um, and it's time. So this is my passion now. I'm trying to rise up, rise, and get it out into the world and um, to help people as best I can. Well, if you were um, really to describe your fire in your belly in one or two words, Murray, what would they be? To help, to be a helper, and to speak my truth. Mm. Powerful. Where can people reach out to you? Where can they get a copy of your book? Where can they hunt you down, follow you? Thank you. Please hunt me down, follow me. Um, my website is www.risehypnoticmeditation.com. Sorry for all the letters, but I had to get it all in there. Rise Hypnotic Meditation. And on the website, there are videos. So I do have some guided uh, videos. If people would like to listen to, they can get used to my voice that way and get it in touch with the practice. Um, also, there's a video about why RISE works, and I go into a little bit about the conscious and the subconscious mind and how that works. Also, where I'll be, um, but that's a great way to get a hold of me. I'm also going to be teaching a certification um, class in the fall, so I'll teach people how to teach RISE to others. So if you are a leader of a, a group or a yoga studio or a meditation group or anything like that, um, I'll be teaching that virtually online if anyone is interested. And then the book is Rise Hypnotic Meditation, and it's on Amazon. And you can get it as an ebook or you can get it as a soft cover book. It's 90 pages, power packed. I made it short, sweet, and no extra words. It's, it's, uh, people don't have time to read these days. Um, so I made it very simple and it's kind of workbookish so that you can really delve into it and make this uh, practice individualized for you. Wow. But uh, through the website has my contact information. If anybody has any questions or you come up against a block doing this work or need any advice or would just like to chat, please reach out. Well, Mary Jenny, thank you for, thank you for coming on. Thank you for, for sharing and being of service to so many people. You know, and uh, I appreciate it. And is there a final message you'd like to leave with our listeners today? I just, I guess I would like to remind people that we are not our thoughts, that our thoughts, there's a, I'll tell a quick story about a father and a son standing on the banks of a dirty river. And the son asks his father, dad, is the river polluted? And he says, no, son, the river's not polluted. The river is pure. It just carries pollutants. And I'd like to remind us that we can stand on the banks and watch our thoughts we don't need necessarily need to be invested in every thought. And because we thought it doesn't mean it's true. Mm. So question what you think, 
Question what is in your river, your habits, your thoughts, your imprints, and know that change is always possible. If something in your river does not suit you anymore, does not help you, does not make you a better, happier person, fish it out. Get it out of that river. And their change is possible for all of us. Nobody needs to be stuck. That's so powerful. And it's so true. It's uh, you are not your thoughts. And, and that is a, an amazing takeaway for so many people. You know, Mary, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate you sharing and appreciate your, your connection today and, you know, so many insights and, and yeah, I, I, and your wisdom, I suppose, is maybe the best way of putting it. And uh, listen, I wish you all the best with the book. And uh, I have You've a fun really time. enjoyed it. Thanks for the opportunity. Indeed. And I'm sure our paths will cross again. So until the next time, thank you. Thank you. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without a great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you. 